0: Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 253, and if you're listening to this around the time that we posted it, yes, we're still in the quarantine, and yes, the country's starting to reopen, and yes, all the things that you're asking, yes. And if you're listening to us in the future, uh, do me a favor. Tell me how the flying car is, and also tell us how we get out of this thing, because I would love, love a hint. Um, in the weeks that we have done this show during the quarantine, we have tried to find the busiest people in sports. 249 was Kenny Albert. Does anybody have more jobs than Kenny Albert? Now nah, I couldn't find anybody until I found Iron Eagle at 250. Now, granted, we did a couple of things last week about, you know, all the, all the stuff going on with uh, Black Lives Matter and a lot of social issues that I thought needed to be on the podcast. But there are still busy people out there that need to be busy, and they're not, and they must be climbing the walls. Our guest today on (laughs) Sports with Friends, I can't even do it with a straight face, he is the radio engineer for the New York Mets since 1989. He is also the radio engineer, on-site engineer for the New York Giants, the New York Knicks, the New York Rangers, St. John's, And since he corrects everything I do, he will tell me teams that I'm missing. Chris Majkowski has been called the immortal, the incomparable. And what makes him so damn good? We are going to find out. This is going to be an episode that may get pulled into two episodes. I'm just saying the guy has that many stories. Madge, as he's known, is kind enough to join us in a time when, if there was no pandemic, There'd be no way he's free enough to do a podcast. He's always somewhere. And now he's been in his house for months and months and months. Thanks, Madge. Welcome.
1: Well, I would have been, you know what? I didn't even, I haven't even had the schedule up on the wall to be one of those guys who is going to say, well, I would have been at City Field if you had called today, or <laughs> I would have been, you don't where know. Where would I have been? Would I have been in Milwaukee? Would I have been at Wrigley <laughs> Field? I don't know. I like stopped keeping track of that because what's the point um right.
0: april we kept in touch april we said well this is where this game would be the diamondbacks were in town and all that april was a time you knew that once it got to may it wasn't a thing you couldn't keep canceling dates on your calendar
1: no no and, and you
0: still have a handwritten calendar like uh, you yes would put it-
1: as, as a matter of fact yes i do I, know I mean, you. I know people, you know, and and with all the stuff that I do, and I also hire out for some of the uh, some of the NHL teams, and yep. if, so I pro- get their road engineers lined up for the the Blues and the Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers and the and the Knicks uh, Rangers home and road. I yep. gotta get all that lined up, and yeah, I actually have a calendar that's handwritten because yes, I could put it on a spreadsheet or i could there's have an it app. all in no, there's an app or i could yep. put it in in my phone but i just i don't know i'm still a little old i guess <laughs> and i and i need the i need the pen and the paper and it just i don't know it just it's easier for me to just look at it that way to say oh hope but the guy is going to show up tonight <laughs>
0: there's but there's an interesting dichotomy because you are very tech savvy because you build, you can build a broadcast line literally like MacGyver in any booth, in any place. You can get some of the worst conditions, and you'll find a way to get yourselves on the air. And yet, you are not the iPhone guy. And yet, you're a hunt and peck typer. Like, there's so many things that are so forward and so behind. It's like a weird convalescence.
1: Actually, I do know how to type. And if I might say so, I type very well. And <laughs> and I took a I took the typing course in uh high school because, you know, you needed something to fill out your your schedule and all. I said, oh, take typing. You never know. We might need it. I mean then we were still with carbon paper, so God <laughs> I am dating myself again, but um and the uh the teacher said, Wow, you type pretty good and it was kinda like, you know, you type pretty good for a guy. I know what you're saying. <laughs> But um uh I had actually taken piano lessons earlier in my youth. Um, not that I really stuck with that because I didn't like to practice, but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother podcast. But um just because of that I had a little bit uh, better um, uh, comprehension of typing and all that, I guess. So anyway, but I I'm not just the two fingers, pop, bop, pop, 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 pop. So anyhow. <laughs> not, not 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 real important.
0: I understand. I understand. But are you a podcast listener? Because I see the way I envision him is, and I'm saying that to the audience because I don't refer to you in the third person, uh, is when you're on the bus or the plane, like you can close your eyes. And I don't know if you're actually sleeping, but you get some form of rest all the time. Like you, you, you can do that in some of the loudest places. You'll be in these buses. People are there's police escorts. There's sirens going by, and you don't flinch.
1: But well, the, do you... the old, the old, keep your eyes closed uh, because, well, the guy who's sitting next to you, you really don't want to talk to, him, well, and you're right. just pretending type of a thing. No, actually, um, uh <laughs> and given the amount, and, <laughs> the amount of travel of and the amount of travel and planes and and, and buses and everything that I've been on, unfortunately, I am able to sleep just about anywhere. Um, not like Jay Horowitz just falling asleep <laughs> in random places, but uh, Jay, our good friend with the Mets, of course. Um, but yeah, I can uh, I can block it all out and, uh, and fall asleep. So that's uh, kind of a blessing in this line of work at times.
0: Jay not, just wrote a book. Not when the
1: game's going on, though. Not when no, the game's Of course going not.
0: On. Of course not. No, that just people <laughs> like me do that. Um, the the uh, Jay just wrote a book, and I'm sure he would come on this podcast. Would you be able to go over to Jay's and set it up audio-wise? Because he would have no idea how
1: to do Oh, yeah, thing. you've got – well, actually, I shouldn't say that because um, he's been doing his own podcasts. Now, I don't yeah. know, again, what kind of support <laughs> he has on that, but he's been doing a bunch of podcasts over the last uh, year or so when he moved into his uh, – Uh, Away from the day by day uh, PR operation. Rain, can you
0: you hit record? Can you (laughs) you record this? I don't know how to
1: record. (laughs) Johnny, Johnny, it's uh, it's not working yet. It's
0: not going to work. It's not going to work. You're not going to get to Grom. He's pitching now. You can't talk to him now. He's, He's busy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but jay with all of his uh with his alumni functions now he gets he gets the guys on and he does a podcast of his own so he uh you might maybe. be able to get him on yeah
0: yeah maybe yeah maybe
1: and and uh he sent me a, a very nice um uh he sent me the book with a with a note uh you know an inscription in it and the all book, that I'm... the book is the media book the no no about... No, oh, Jay's book. 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 Jay's, oh, Jay's book. book. Yes, oh, Mr. Oh, Met. Okay. Oh, Jay yeah. Jay Harlow. It's Mr. Met. How a sports crazed kid from New Jersey uh, yeah, yeah. knows everybody in Major League Baseball and beyond. Sure. Um, sure. I'm paraphrasing <laughs> the subtitle on uh-huh. it. I think, um, but he, you know, he didn't I, write the I, forward. Uh, I did not write the Jacob Degrom wrote <laughs> the forward. As oh, a okay. Of fact.
0: Jacob Degrom, who babysat my kid.
1: Okay. <laughs> That, there was a day, and I don't, I never you heard this, this story. I because
0: I, did I didn't want to get in trouble. But there was a day. My daughter was six. Uh, this mm-hmm. is yeah, because she's eleven now. So it was it was years ago. So for those of you who don't know, uh, imagine I worked together in what was it, 2014. Uh, I did the pre and post game for the New York Mets, and there was a day in August that my daughter, who was six, what she wanted for her birthday was to come to the ballpark with Daddy. And I took her, and you knew that part of it. Yes. And the only time I couldn't have her with me was the Terry Collins in his office conversation. Because my six-year-old, shocker, couldn't shut up. And there would no way she... It wouldn't impact the broadcast in any way. And there was a lovely lady, and you probably know her name, who did security. And she was uh, offered... She knew my conundrum. And she said, Don't worry, I'll watch her when you go do the Terry Collins interview. I said, Okay. So we have a plan. And about four minutes before Terry's done with the press conference, because he would do the press conference first and then go into his office, and that's where I would do the pregame. There's some joker is like trying to break into city field, and all it's an all security personnel rush to some event. <laughs> and so this lady takes off and now terry collins is going to walk through any minute now and i don't know what to do and jacob de gram saw this and looked at me and just said and cuz he's one of the nicest human beings you'll know he said i'll watch her and i was like it's going to be 4 minutes like it's li- you know how long it right. was it was yeah. nothing mm-hmm. and he said yeah he and he, she was playing with a ball like bouncing a ball uh and he like bounced it with her and he he watched her and i went into the office and he was a he was a rookie. He was good, but he wasn't Cy Young award. He wasn't Jacob like,
1: DeGrom yet. Right. Or He, he was, was Jacob he was, DeGrom, but he was He was
0: one of the nicer guys on the team. Like he he was very nice. And he d- did that and then the next year he wins the Cy Young award. And people are asking me on radio shows like what do you make of Jacob DeGrom? And I would just go, "He babysat my kid." He did. It's a true it's a true story. He babies. And they're like, we're pleased to join South he Jacob deGrom babysat for his kid. And I'm like, it's not not true. And so that's my Jacob deGrom story.
1: Oh, you want to hear my Jacob deGrom story?
0: That's why I told it. I'm setting (laughs) you up, buddy. Okay.
1: Here here, here is my little Jacob deGrom story. Now, um i don't really you know i'm not down in the clubhouse all the time even though i'm on the you know i'm on the but trips on and the all plane, that but right I'm on, on plane, plane, I'm on the plane on the bus on the plane i'm on the, know, plane, they I'm on the bus they you know they kind of know who i am or at least all well, this guy's always around we don't know what the heck he does but he's always around so he must be okay <laughs> and you know it's always been my way i i don't need to be down there a lot so and i don't there are enough people in there i don't want to be in the way i don't need to be there sure. so anyway um So, as you might remember, a couple of years ago, uh, in celebration of my 25 years, Uh, uh, they arranged that I was going to throw out the first pitch before one of the games at City Field. Okay. So, uh, you know, they're telling you, okay, you're going to stand over here and they're going to, the the musical play, the team takes the field, you run out to the mound, you throw the pitch, try not to throw it to the backstop, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Right, right. So we go running out to the field, and it was like DeGrom is pitching that night. And people are saying, well, you, you're going to go up onto the – you're going to you know throw from the rubber, or you're going to go up on top of the said That's Jacob's DeGrom mound. I can't mess up his mound. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, and, and I often wonder – when these, I mean, there's always somebody out there to throw out the first pitch. And, you know, do these guys even pay attention and all who's coming out there? So we go running out to the mound and uh, I'm running out there. And and I did throw the pitch from the front part of the mound. I wasn't going to go up on top because sure, that could have ended well for anybody, uh, particularly me. So we're running out there and I just, I look over at him and he glances at me and, and just the, the look on his face and what the hell are you doing out here? <laughs> and he just had a, like a wry little smile and that's, that's how I took it anyway. <laughs> what the heck are you going doing out here? You doing? So, you know, they play the video, The, the they actually, they, they had put they together this little video, uh, that video was really of, nice. you know, yeah. the... Here's magic we're coming into the booth and blah 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 and, and so I throw the pitch and if it had been a right-handed batter I might have plunked him but it, it didn't bounce and Devin Mesoraco you know got out and caught it caught the, caught the ball it. and you know and, and that was and that was that so uh uh yep so that that's my Jacob Nagrom uh, little great. tidbit
0: oh, that's a better story we'll get back to sports with friends in just a moment but first did you know that I have another podcast that I do. It's like Sports with Friends, but it's a little different. It's about the superhero sci-fi universe. I have been a fan of comic books, animation, movies. And when I started the Hall of Justice podcast, we wanted to do it for adults. Why did I name it the Hall of Justice? Because if you're old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you're our demographic. The idea of the show is to take the same passion that fans have for sports but to bring it to the superhero genre. We have movie reviews where we spoil the movie. No worry, we warn you so that you can see it first. We also have celebrity guests where we interview actors, voice actors. The Hall of Justice podcast comes out every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. My stories are self-deprecating. Yours are going to be wonderful. (laughs) Um... Now, your first year, the first gig was the Mets, or what were you doing before the Mets in '89? Like, well, actually,
1: we... just uh, my first year with the Mets was '93. Actually, '89. 89...
0: Why I said '89?
1: I because Some... I didn't proofread your script. That's why, <laughs> but that's a whole another story too, right?
0: And, uh, we could talk about that if
1: you want. <laughs> no, 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 we don't need to talk about that. '89, uh, I graduated from Fordham.
0: Oh, okay. They, they uh,
1: yeah. and um, you know, I was just kind of bouncing around doing a couple of different things, and you know, thinking I was uh, gonna be on the other side of the microphone. You know, the the guy who talked sure. into the microphone. Not that I was just gonna be turning it on and off. Um, and uh, I ended up uh, the first games that I actually engineered were New York Islanders games.
0: Oh okay. uh,
1: with Barry Landers and Bobby Neister sure. sure. on the call and uh started working in doing more of the visiting teams when they came in Got it. um the you know stuff at the garden with some of the visiting n h l and nba teams um the visitors. But and
0: this is an industry that nobody knows how to break into. Like, is and if it's boring, don't tell it because we'd rather hear better stories. But the idea that you suddenly could get gigs like that, like, how does something like that crop up?
1: Well, it's like a. a I want to say it was I was a year out of Fordham, and the chief engineer, <clears throat> excuse me, the chief engineer at Fordham was a gentleman by the name of Bob Jewell. and. One of his best friends would go and engineer games at the garden um, when uh, Brian, Ferguson, um, the yes. Brian Ferguson the late Brian Ferguson, if you remember Ferguson. the name yeah. Great guy. Uh, he engineered the Yankees yes, for for years with with John and John and Michael and then pre John too right yes um yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure of the timeline when, when Brian started. But anyway, he had been doing the, the, the Yankees for, for a long time. But anyway, so he, in March, would leave for spring training. And uh, uh, this other gentleman, um, Bill Holder, would fill in uh, at the Garden. And he was good friends with Bob Jewell. And Brian uh, was partners in a company called JBF Remote Services with Joel Blumberg uh the late Joel Blumberg, who was um uh instrumental I mean if really I wouldn't be doing what I what I'm doing today if not for him okay. I'll just uh, not to, to get into a whole uh, oh, going no. too far back into the memory banks oh, that's good um stuff. but anyway so uh um so I through bob jewel up at fordham who said hey you're still looking for a job and i said yeah <laughs> he said well i got a uh bill said that jbf is looking for someone who kind of has a working knowledge of what goes into getting a game on the air and also knows what's going on during the game so they they can help produce it so i think that that would be right up your alley you know uh you know, call Bill.
0: sounds like something tailor made for you,
1: yeah. Like, but it, and it's you're it's, a
0: sports it's, savant and you know a lot about putting a game on the air, right?
1: And but didn't know as much then as I know now, thank, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was one of these, well, call Bill and then Bill, well, call Brian and Brian, well, call Joel. So finally, I got together with Joel, and you know, long story short, I ended up working for them. You know, they kind of taught me the ropes. I like I said, I started out. We were doing Islanders games out, of, out at the Coliseum, uh, doing visiting uh, hockey and and basketball, and at the Garden. Um, sometimes going over to Jersey, um, and then also the first uh, the first baseball games that I ever did were with the Phillies and the Cubs when they would come into town to play the Mets, uh, and. Okay. This was when Harry Carey was still doing radio for the Cubs. He'd do the middle three,
0: and Harry uh, Callis, and Harry Callis was and doing, the Phillies.
1: Callis was doing uh, the Phillies games. Um, so Harry Carey, uh, you you know, when you're talking about having to set things up and all that, <laughs> he wanted he he did the manager show for Cubs radio yeah but he had no idea either had no idea no interest or both of how to even turn on a tape recorder oh, no. and again i mean this is you know now you go with your you can go with your phone and record your pregame course, interview or, or now we have the uh, the, the different you know the different digital recorders i mean this was a cassette tape recorder and go okay. down there and hand harry the mic press play and record and go. And then you had to be running a stopwatch and hold up a finger as the minutes went by. So that Harry would know when he had, you know, when he, okay, you've done one minute, two minutes, and it was supposed to be a four minute spot. So when he got the four, he would know that he had to wrap it up. (laughs) So I got to, I got to work with the, with Harry. And then Harry Callis doing the Phillies one of the um, nicest i, I they, please
0: tell me he was not a jerk cuz he, oh, no, no. he, he was of the. he was so nice to me i loved dealing with harry callis
1: harry was tremendous he was tremendous and him and uh, him and whitey uh, Richie ashburn um uh, chris it Wheeler. Was chris Wheeler, exactly uh, andy musser was doing the games oh, yeah, at that andy time musser, yep. um yeah so you know i got to work with them and harry was funny uh, harry callis that is you know he uh, I also ended up working uh, a couple of football games with him along the way uh, when it was still mutual broadcasting and they would do the NFL mm. game of the week. Oh, wow. Um, but I think even during the football, you know, we'd be in a break and, and Harry would be humming fly eagles fly on the road to victory. <laughs>
0: That's great. What a cool what a great yeah. guy. Oh my god. So,
1: I mean, god. you know, I I sometimes I think about, you know, some of the some of the people I've worked with and I've i have done mostly on the home side now for for how long. Uh but right. you know, I've gotten to know so many so many different announcers and and worked with so many. I I actually even worked uh uh I worked a match with Vince McMahon, believe it or not. Really? Yes. Uh, the WWE, and actually, was it the WWF at the time? Anyway.
0: Um, and how much eye-rolling did you do at that, at that event?
1: <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> well, they used to, they had for a couple of years, they had a radio network. And they would do a call-in show on Saturday nights, and then they would do uh blow by blow event coverage of the of the big events um Royal Rumble you know SummerSlam, whatever it was um, um WrestleMania I guess it was whatever year that started so anyway it was a Royal Rumble up in Providence and the uh the main event was a casket match between the Undertaker and Yokozuna now uh <laughs>
0: i couldn't think of something like, the, the main the
1: the the main broadcast crew was i think it was i think it was jim ross and then gorilla monsoon and then they switched off on the on the radio and the tv for one or two matches in the middle of it when vince and bobby the brain heenan came over to do radio But the better thing about it was... Oh, okay. Yes, there's a better (laughs) thing about it. So uh, just to pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh So I got to see the rehearsal for the main event that evening. (laughs) And maybe we shouldn't pull the curtain back so much.
0: Could the iPhone exist then? Yes.
1: So uh so um it's a casket match so of course of of course i'm saying of course everyone will everyone knows what a casket match is so they've got the, they've got the casket you know uh ringside and of course you, the one guy has to throw the other guy over the top rope and into the casket or or however it works so anyway so uh you know the Thing's gonna start at eight o'clock that night, but we're there in the afternoon. And Vince comes out with a bunch of the the wrestlers, and he's going through this whole thing about how this is gonna work. That we're gonna start pushing the casket down the aisle, <laughs> and like midway down the aisle, the the lights are gonna go out, and they're gonna start flickering and all that. And there's gonna be smoke, but we're not gonna shoot we're not gonna shoot off the pyros right now because then the takes too long for the smoke to clear so we'll just pretend that the smoke's coming <laughs> and we don't know what's going on and then we continue to push the casket and it gets to here and we stop and now there's a recorded video up on the up on the screen there of the undertaker now i know who's going to win i wish we could have got a bet down but uh this thing on the on the video screen of the undertaker in the casket saying i will not rest in peace and then from the back of the video screen they have a substitute undertaker who's in a harness <laughs> who gets lifted up to the rafters okay so but wait it gets better oh <laughs> so as i'm walking now backstage at one point yeah, hey Buddy, what the hell? Looking around, I was saying, I look up. It's the other Undertaker who's in the who's in the harness there, because they got to run through this again. It's kind of hot up here. Can you get me something to drink? So I have to go in the back and and find a bottle of water or something for the for this other guy who's there sitting in his undertaker getup to get to get raised up to the rafters. So that is my man nice. story. That's and random. yes, and gorilla. Um, for the record, uh, at one point in the proceedings, did. Did trot on me, and pandemonium has broken loose here. In <laughs> and you're,
0: saying, and that's when the eyes rolled. Please tell me well, that.
1: Well, no, 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 because he looked at me and he winked.
0: <laughs> you could work at
1: any dinner party.
0: Like <laughs> someone would bring something like that, you'd be like,
2: oh, I got a story for that.
0: Oh,
2: a model used to be a role model.
0: We have a special announcement here to make on the show, and it involves. Spotify. How many of you have Spotify? You know, my daughter made us get Spotify because she wanted to listen to music. And then I found out something that really made me cool in my house. We are so excited to announce that Sports with Friends and my other podcast, Hall of Justice, is now available to stream free on Spotify. If you haven't tried listening there yet, it's free to download. Use Spotify on any device. It's a great listening experience. You go straight from listening to your favorite music, Prince, and switch right over to our podcast in the very same app. And when my phone is plugged into my car, my daughter can control the music with her app because we have the same account. Just search for our show, Sports with Friends, on Spotify and start listening free. And remember, it's totally free, even if you're not a premium member so 93 Mm -hmm. uh you're full-time with the mets um but you are and i'm not trying to get too complicated but you're an independent contractor so you're not a mets employee and you own your own business and that's how you get the contracts with all of these teams so technically you're not a mets producer You are a producer that gets contracted to the Mets, and if you wanted to, you could hire a a person and make him the Mets guy. Like, it doesn't have to be you. You're just in charge of it, and they elicit your company's services, correct?
1: Uh, More or less, yes. I mean, I I think that it would – I mean, obviously – well, not obviously. How would the people listening know? But I haven't missed a Mets game since August of 93.
0: Which is incredible. And, and, Uh, and, and, And you had a good reason.
1: Well, my sister got married. I mean, right. and, and the the morning it
0: killed you. It killed you. You're like, I'm going to have a 20, 30 year streak here.
1: The morning of the wedding. Well, this was my first year. So, um, you didn't really know that you only, were going to have a 94. Ex- well, exactly. And, and it really only cost me because I actually, you know, the 93 season, I didn't start until, until May. I didn't start until about 25 games in. They had actually hired a kid who was, um, uh, ill equipped um to to be in the position. Uh we'll just leave it at that. And um
0: at Eric Spitz?
1: Uh no who who did the hire?
0: That hired you?
1: Uh Spitz, yes. Yes, yeah. as as okay. he would uh and and there have uh, been as, like four as, Eric
0: Spitz references in the last four episodes as, of this podcast.
1: As, well and if you if you ever have Sweeney Murdy on He has been uh, Oh okay and did he tell you the Spitz uh after everything I've done for you story. No, he probably did. Oh, I
0: don't
1: know. Okay. <laughs> it was the middle of a phone call, and uh, uh, I don't know. It, it's Sweeney's story. I'm not going to <laughs> jump into that. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah.
0: Sweeney um, uh, Murdy was episode 226. Oh, okay. 226. December of 19, and the words coronavirus or COVID-19 had not been invented. God. Or not in our vernacular.
1: No, no, um, yeah, but uh, yeah. So 93, I started, and uh, I missed that. Uh, I missed that doubleheader against the Pirates. Although uh, I did actually go to the ballpark the morning of the wedding uh, so- <laughs> to just check in with. Uh, they actually were sending out one of the uh, one of the station engineers to get things set up and make sure that they got on the air uh so i went to the i went to the ballpark in the morning um to just check in with him make sure that he everything was okay and of course as i'm as i was leaving my mother's like well you're going to be back right <laughs> so, yeah i'll be back what well, time's the wedding i'll be back what could possibly go wrong what, what could go wrong <laughs> what could what could go wrong um yeah so uh, it's just been, you know, it's just been something that, uh, so I started out doing that, and I had worked as an independent contractor for, as I said, JBF Remote Services, and then I got right. the Mets gig, and and then uh, FAN. Um, I've always been paid by the radio station, never been paid by the Mets. By the um, so you don't have Met... a
0: check with a Met logo on it?
1: No, no, I have a check with a Giants logo on it. But that's all cool. of the story. M Madison Square Garden uh, Yep. this, that, yep. and the other thing. Um but then they started doing the Jets in the fall because the uh, FAN had gotten the Jets. So With the great
0: Paul Olden.
1: Uh Paul let uh, I actually uh Paul just told the great
0: Paul Olden story two episodes ago. It's, <laughs> yeah, I might tell Oh, well, go
1: ahead. Go ahead. I Paul want to hear Olden, your, I wanna hear uh, your Paul Olden story. So
0: n- summer of ninety four, um which is actually when I must have met you, I was interning. I was going into my junior year at Syracuse, and I interned at the fan. uh, And one of your jobs is to answer the phone. And there were three shifts. You could do the IMAS shift. You could do the Mike and the Mad Dog shift or the midday shift. And that was like a 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. kind of shift. And your job, answer the newsroom phone. And the newsroom phone rings. And Paul Olden in the summers, even though he was the Jets announcer, had to do sports updates and central he, park
1: temperature
0: the center the central park temperature and paul olden so the phone rings and i answer it and is a guy from the trading floor of the stock exchange and he literally it's so loud where he's calling from but he says hey can you guys clear up a rumor a rumor <laughs> and we're like and i'm like what are you talking about and he says OJ Simpson killed his wife and her friend. And I had never heard that before. And I went, what? <laughs> okay. And I said, I will look into it. Like, <laughs> and I, and I hung up the phone and I went over to Paul Olden and I'll tell you the part of it that I remember the most. I said, uh, Paul, um, this guy from the stock exchange, I just reiterated the same thing that I just told you. And the first word out of his mouth, which I'll never forget was son. And I hated that. Like, don't call me son. Like, son, you have to learn to have a nose for news. Don't chase red herrings. OJ Simpson couldn't have killed his wife. Okay. And I sat on it, and we did nothing. And the five hours of that shift, that's not a story. And this is 1994, so we had the internet, but it wasn't as massive as it was. And it was really considered more of a news story, and either that or I was editing tape, or I don't know what I was doing. I did not hear the words O.J. Simpson for the rest of the day, but in the Queens studio now, I have to drive to Central New Jersey where my parents live, and I get in my car and I put on eight eighty for traffic, and the top story is Nicole Brown Simpson's found dead, and I went, God dang it, Holden. <laughs> And I would say the last time I have ribbed him for that is, what what was the last baseball season? 2019? I'll go into yeah. the booth, because now he's the public address announcer at Yankee Stadium. And I'll go, hey, Paul, you still think OJ couldn't have done it?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, well, here's P- Paul. It's a pretty good went- one, right? Yes, that's, uh, that's a quality yeah. one. Good night, everybody. Well, no, I have
0: to. The <laughs> yes. this story has to be Madge quality because okay. you're the first person, if you don't like the story, you will say, no, that's not going to work. I, I don't like this.
1: No, it works. It works. I was going to say, when Paul was doing the, the updates that you're talking about um, and would also do the station IDs during if if we were on the air <laughs> with the funny. Mets game, so you know they come on and say you know uh you know bottom of the fifth yankees lead the red sox 3-1 this is wfan new york uh so when we're out at the ballpark during the ids during the breaks and all we hear what's on the station so uh paul comes on and he does one of the the ids and it's got the yankee score or whatever on it and Bob Murphy turns around to me and he's got this look on his face. Oh great. Now what did I it's always what did I do? Right. <laughs> so we we get into, you know, we get into um uh we get into our next break and he's he politely tells me uh tell him that we do the baseball scores because <laughs> <laughs> Of course, you know, during the the broadcast, you know, we'd have the sponsored scoreboards and all. So it was kind of like, well, you know, if if we've just done the, the nationwide scoreboard or Chrysler scoreboard or whoever was sponsoring it at that time, members only, uh, don't have the guy who's doing the ID come in and, and say it. That was their, the whole mindset there, which was kind of <laughs> uh, probably unnecessary, but so be it. <laughs>
0: Oh my goodness. Um and the, the ninety-three, who's the radio is it's it's still Bob Murphy?
1: It was Murph and Gary and Gary Cohen. Gary Cohen. Gary Cohen. And you missed
0: Gary Thorne, who's one I of the I missed funniest, Gary Thorne, yes. And he's a funny Although, he's hysterical. He,
1: he came back and he did some radio. Um he did some radio a few years later. Um okay. when Murph started to cut back and and, and he would do and he would do some games. And he's uh, better
0: on hockey anyway. He's a great hockey announcer.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Oh my god, he is he he can he can get the way he can do excitement when he called that John McClain goal in 88. That's one of the best calls of a of a of a hockey play. And I know you're partial to your boy Howie Rose, but Gary Thorne, that if I had to pick one, that's a Gary Thorne and I'm a Devils fan, so I am not well,
1: Yeah. Well well I'll tell you something. <laughs> uh, you, when you when you mentioned you mentioned Howie and all. It actually it took me a while while, relatively speaking, but it took me some time to get comfortable it's probably not the right word, but hearing him do baseball when uh, I had worked with him doing hockey and and heard him doing hockey for so long
0: like the Rangers
1: the Rangers exactly and I always thought that his tempo and his pacing dur- during a hockey game especially the the rate I know he did the Islanders on TV but I'm talking about when he was doing Rangers on the radio that his pacing and all was just so spot on that actually when I started working with him doing baseball on the radio when he when he was with the Mets when he was when s still is with the Mets but at that time uh it took me a little time to get used to hearing him do baseball and it was kind of like you know this doesn't I'm not saying it doesn't sound right but it just it sounded a little off just and it it wasn't that it was it, I'm not saying that there was anything wrong with it But it was just so in my mind, his hockey pacing and how good that was on the radio, that when he started doing baseball, and obviously hockey and baseball is totally different rhythms and all that, that it really took me a little while to get used to him on the baseball baseball call, (laughs) or whatever that's worth, which is probably not a lot.
0: (laughs) But do you find, like, I just, I know you so... I know your personality. You, to me, have a more of a baseball personality because you like the stories during the innings and you like the the day-to-day routine of it. And it just seems more conducive to you. Do you get a different um, vibe from a big November football game or a key hockey game or a playoff Ranger game or something like that? Do they t- take you in a different mindset because – I just feel like I, I equate you with baseball. And I knew who you were before we worked together. So it's not because of that. And I'd seen you at other games. I just sense that baseball's your thing.
1: I would say this. Uh, you know, if, if I had to rank like as a fan, I'm probably more of a Rangers fan, to tell you the truth. As far as you know, if I had to rank the sports, hockey, baseball, football, basketball,
0: and so are people in your booth that I can't mention their names unless you say it's okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but but the 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 point I was going to make is I say that, and yet, because of because of what I do professionally. Uh, and the way that the seasons line up i rarely get to work the hockey games when when they're of that magnitude
0: right cuz that that's when you're committed because
1: to that. at that time you know because as far as as far as professionally no baseball gets first call because that's 162, except this year. Uh that's 162 games that I know that I'm going to be doing. And 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 look, I mean, hell, when the when the Mets are are you know when they made the run, um, a few years back and all. I mean, that was great. I'm don't get don't get me wrong, but uh, I think that if if you know if you if you if you were to say to me. And again, this is kind of splitting hairs, but if you had to make a choice between
0: totally games, se-
1: you know, game seven of a Stanley Cup final or game seven of the World Series, which would you, you know, which would you? What would be your first choice?
0: And this year, they might happen at the same time. <laughs> exactly. you <know>? yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <was> too easy. <laughs> <laughs> but I quite honestly i would probably i i think i would say game 7 of the stanley cup
0: I, I get it um when you look at the greatest game you've done so you've done super bowls yes did you do the giant patriot super bowls
1: i did the uh did did the two both did the both uh, of them? yes so you yes.
0: were there for the tyree catch Yes. This is this is amazing. Like you yes. were there for the Tyree catch. You were there for the Andy Chavez catch. Yes. What's your best sporting event and it could it be Game 7 Rangers Devils 94. Were you at that game?
1: No. No. No, again because that whole 94 right. that and, and and again um I was just, you know, this is only my second year with the Mets. With the but yeah, that,
0: that, and that's why I asked, cuz I thought maybe there was a chance that you could do more. right,
1: but I wasn't in the I wasn't in the position at the time sure. to even make that call. It was not my call to say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the Rangers game tonight." I was I was working I was contracting with JBF Remote Services at the time. Sure, so sure, that's sure. It's my call at this point where I'm making the schedule myself on these things. Yes, I could say, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna go do that game tonight." Now, then you get into the, well, you, what about the 4,000-something consecutive games you've worked <laughs> over there? You know, <laughs> no, what, what no, would you no. miss it for? What no, would you no. miss it for? Now, um, when the Rangers played the Kings uh, a few years back, uh, one of the games at the Garden happened to fall on an off night for the Mets, and we were in town. And, Who'd you bump? Who'd you bump? No, I actually I didn't. Uh, Gary Jeffries, who has been my uh, my main backup for years now with the Garden, um, you know, and he said, "Hey, do you want to work the game?" I said, "You know what? Quite frankly, it wouldn't hurt to. I want to come to the game, uh, and it wouldn't hurt to have an extra pair of hands around and have or an a extra big broadcast person, like that, yeah. Uh, you know, because we had um, we have Don Lagreca down rinkside." Great. The great Don LeGrecket. Um, yes. Yes. And so I can be down there. And that's that's fine. Um, so I'll just help out. I'll help out downstairs just so that I can be in the building and say so I actually, you know, work the Stanley Cup Finals game. I worked one game in the NBA finals with the Knicks when they played the Spurs. Again, it just it happened to it's fall 99. on a yeah. it happened to fall on an off night. And uh I just remember that, that game, um, that was the, the, the Knicks won that night. I think it was game three. It's, my memory gets so fuzzy with some of these things. All I remember is it seemed that after every game, and I know that they've got so many requests for post-game interviews and all that, but oh, it just seemed like every game we kept getting Larry Johnson. <laughs> and, like okay larry johnson nothing wrong nothing against larry johnson you know would have would have been a good spot but um but with the the nba at that time what they would do is they would come around and they'd and they'd give you a card and i guess they still do this although i guess most teams now it's just the announcer just texts or something with this pr guy saying you know let us have so-and-so sure sure um but at that time, they would give you this card and you had to fill out like your three choices of who you would like after the game if the Knicks win. And uh, and way back when, um, we actually did a player from the other team if the Knicks lost. That's oh, wow. whole... Yeah, exactly. That, that I mean, doesn't
0: that's, ha- that doesn't happen
1: at it, all That's now. what I was going to say. Oh, you know, that God. gets into a whole nother discussion of because even for years with the Mets, we used to do that. Uh, ed coleman would go down and he would uh you know he would corral people on the other side and then then, yes exactly uh but now it's becoming a superstar
0: (laughs) and no we're not explaining that joke
1: (laughs) no we're not no we're not we're gonna keep that amongst ourselves um (laughs) Uh, but anyway, getting back to the nickname, game, so I said, you know, I said, I know we're going to get if we ask for Larry, if I put Larry Johnson on the on the list, we're going to get Larry Johnson. And again, this is and I understand because, you know, TV wants this guy and TV. So the only right, two names I write down
0: request first and you would get as Mets radio, you would get the second. But if you're the road team, you get after Mets, uh, you would get after their TV, their radio, and your TV—you'd get fourth choice,
1: right? right. But um, for this nickname, I said, "You know what? I'm only going to write down Allen Houston and Latrell Spreewell and see what happens." <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, sure enough, game, and Knicks win the game. And at that time, we were we were up on the on the the, the bomb there above where the the teams would come That's out. Yep. and um uh, so you would just you'd just be listening in queue for a voice to come on and say, Okay, you've got so and so so I'm listening up there and say and and I hear um uh okay, uh, we're gonna get you Alan, okay, but you can only have a couple of minutes with him, and you have to be ready to go as soon as he gets here, you know, don't be in a commercial or whatever because you know we're we're we'll we'll get him for you, but so sure enough and I guess it was Minko probably who was doing the post game. I don't even remember now. Great John. Um yes, the great John Minko. And who, he uh,
0: would be available cuz he's not he's retired now. Well, he the, the, to the, do this, but, well he's semi-retired. He's still the doing Don it is great
1: semi-retired. Michael's running the business now. <laughs> uh no, I I, I oh, I'm still great. I'll still I well as I, I tweeted when uh when john announced uh, he was done with fan but i've still got him for st john's so you know bingo okay. ring the uh, bell and yeah. and all that uh Tierney,
0: uh, yeah. yes. another name drop right there
1: <laughs> okay brandon Tariq Turner will do some games huh? or cast the characters oh yeah uh, the, the usual suspects cast the uh-huh. characters uh-huh. um yeah so we got uh so we ended up getting alan houston for that game but i like the I like to think I had a little something to do with that because even when I went back down, I went downstairs to, uh, uh, I went downstairs to get the microphone and the heads and the headphones from downstairs where they would do the interview. And I go into the room where where we have that set up and I find this piece of paper there and it says like NBC and you know, whatever, Alan, Luttrell, uh, radio, and I see it says Larry, and then crossed out. So, so if I had put Larry on the list, we'd have gotten him. No offense, Larry, if you're listening, because again, you know that would have been that would have been just as good. I said, you know what, the the Knicks might not win another game in this series. Let's see if we can get let's see if we can get Allen or, or Latrell on. You know
0: that's very funny anyway, anyway. my uh, my uh uh request you know s- similar parallel story in 2008 i'm working for mlb and i'm also doing fox sports and my first daughter is born in august so i take uh, 10 days or whatever it was you know to be with the with the kid first time parent and now i'm starting to do calls again and i get asked to go on the afternoon show on fox sports radio And the host is a guy by the name of Sean Farnham, who is now a college basketball analyst for ESPN. And Sean was this radio host. And he was also the uh, Steve Gelbs of the Angels. And when my daughter was born, I would do the night feedings as often as I could. And so my wife could sleep. So I watched that year in 08, I would watch the Mariners, the Angels, the Dodgers, the Padres, and only West Coast games. Because the evenings were taking care of the kid. The kid would go to sleep. I'd be waiting for the kid to wake up. So I wouldn't fall asleep. So I'd watch West Coast baseball games. And I would say of the 10, the, the first two weeks of my young daughter's life, Sean Farnham interviewed Howie Kendrick seven times. <laughs> 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 and when I'm going on, and I'm in her room, because my wife was with the baby, so I'm in my daughter's uh, room. And it's got the crib because, you know, we didn't set it up. You know, so this is my first radio hit and I'm in my daughter's room and I'm on the phone waiting to go on. And Sean very nicely just says, so how's fatherhood? I said, oh, fatherhood's great. Thanks for asking. But I have to ask you. And he had no idea this was coming. And I just go, how many times do you interview Howie Kendrick? Is there a deal in his contract that he comes on after every game? And, I mean, he was mortified. He was absolutely because it was lazy and he didn't even try and i just remember that and howie kendrick's still playing and every time he comes in i go where's sean like, oh, come on. <laughs> uh,
1: but you know it's uh, uh everyone has their go-to guys you know it's like oh no well, we're in a spot Who are we gonna get oh Okay, he'll do it. He'll do it. You know, yeah, there's yeah. always the there's always the one or two guys in the clubhouse that oh you oh, know there were like always you, go to
0: guys you, of course you're
1: yeah you're stuck from, you know you you were supposed to get so and so and he was lifting sure. and then he had to go eat and
0: and you and you're like, on a deadline and you have to get you, it done
1: you know so you need something right. and you know it just didn't work out with with whoever that you thought you had lined up and it's like okay well let me get three minutes uh, you know. Sure. With, uh,
0: Mike Cameron was that guy. hmm Yes. Yeah, always so. count on Mike Cameron. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh Mike Cameron, my favorite Mike Cameron story was he was traded, remember, for King Griffey Jr. And I was I was uh I was close with, with Griffey and Mike Cameron and I never wanted to have a conversation with him about the trade. Because we would ask him generic questions and I was always in scrums with him, but I had never talked to him one on one yet. And it was in spring training in Peoria, Arizona. And I walk into the clubhouse and these two kids had just been sent down to the minor league camp. And they're sitting there sulking. It's either here or there. Mike Cameron walks in and goes, you guys pick your heads up. You think you have pressure? I got to hit 50 home runs. Be a gold glove, make diving catches every day. I got to fill in for the greatest player of all time. That's pressure and I, I was like oh i will love this guy <laughs> i said i want to be his friend
1: <laughs> uh, yeah yeah no he he was you know ask uh, uh he was great he was great to, ask, you know, to, to, oh, you took i bet. was gonna say no i was gonna say um uh him and uh, uh like, yeah him and cliffy must have uh must have overlapped right Miffy. yeah yeah with the mets that was he, uh they were they were hysterical
0: can i ask a loaded question sure Uh, So you were with the Mets during the Bobby Valentine era. Yes. And I know that era from a distinct uh, inside source, because in 2000, uh, I was with the Mariners. So I didn't know any of that team, but I later would host a radio show and the guy became my best friend uh, on earth, uh, the late, great Daryl Hamilton. And Daryl was a guy who, when I met him, Still hated Bobby Valentine <laughs> and couldn't stand Steve Phillips. And oh, the names he would tell. I, I uh, if, if, if Butch Husky ever came up to him in a dark alley, like it was just he. He would, and I would hear these things because we would be on planes together, and you know how it, how it, how it would go. And we were building this friendship that would would last fifteen years. And uh, Daryl. Um, everyone I talked to TJ Quinn just said this recently on the podcast, like Daryl was one of those go-to guys. Do you have any Daryl Hamilton memories? And don't worry if you don't, I don't blame you. He wasn't an everyday player. He was a bench guy, but he was very vocal. And he seemed like he was a pretty big leader.
1: You know, I, I, I can't say that I do have anything specific, um, you know, other than uh, uh, certainly some of the, I, I know that, that, you and he were uh, close and yeah. all, um, you know, and I, I just know I'm not certainly echoing everything, all the good things that you say about him. Sure. sure. Um, but any, as far as anything specific, not not so much um,
0: playing or anything. Like that. He was. Yeah, he was at the end of his career and Bobby set him up. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Steve Phillips had said to him in private, I'm sick and tired of these players coming to me to complain about playing time. And Bobby knew that Daryl was at the end of his career. And Daryl had no problem being a reserve player. But if he would go three for five, he wanted to play the next day. And that wasn't the case with that team. And so Daryl complained to Bobby. And Bobby set him up and knew what Steve had told him and said, you know who you should talk to? You should talk to Steve. And so Daryl goes in and talks to Steve and Steve like that was the straw that broke the camel's back and they were they took it out on Daryl and Daryl hates the New York Mets franchise with every fiber of his being and he was from Baton Rouge, Louisiana and he believed in hexes <laughs> oh. Oh and, and he claims that in 2000 he put a hex on the Mets and if you look at the Mets and you look at the 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 Adam Wainwright Beltron play like There's no way the hex doesn't live (laughs) like like the the hex totally lives. And there were people when Daryl died that asked me on Twitter, they're like, what's the status of the hex? Like, I had any idea about that.
1: You know, I have to admit, I I, this is the first I'm hearing of the hex.
0: Yeah, I'll send you a picture that we, we at the 06 World Series when we found out that Bob Watson had hired Daryl to work in on field operations, thus ending our radio show. And we sent a uh, a picture to a, uh, her, our producer, who was a big Mets fan, because how could you work for MLB and not like the Mets or Yankees? And um, the picture has it's me and Daryl and it's hanging in my office, and it just says, "Hey, the hex lives." And
1: <laughs> well, he had the um, uh, he scored the run in the game the yes. in against the Giants. That that ended when uh, when Johnny struck out uh, Bonds. Correct. Yep. Right. The the extra inning game after the uh, after Armando gave up the home run. And, oh, never yes. mind. <laughs> never, <laughs> never mind. Well, and that,
0: but and that's your social media. I mean, not to uh, to transition, but um, you have a Twitter account, Mets Booth, and you first of all, you won't change it, even though you'll get five tweets a day because people think you're the TV booth yes and that yeah, you sir. don't mind and you don't change it you don't change it to Mets radio booth you don't change it to the station because you probably have to change it every three day, three years um what uh, when did you decide to do it and you have a knack for it you you are your personality shines through and I don't know because I only talk to people that do know you but I feel like when I'm reading your tweets, I can hear it in your voice. Because there is a sarcasm. There is a woe is me. There is a a, a, a flippant. But then again, you, you take it seriously. And you don't have to do it. No one's telling you to do that. And you add so much work to yourself. And I think it's because baseball's gotten slower. But that's just my personal thing. Well, What's your
1: well you know it it it's it started in and this will be the eric spitz uh, name drop uh for uh, for this <laughs> segment um it started yeah, whatever year god what year would it have been what year would it have been the when well, like Twitter became a thing and we when well, we all had to start tweeting um, I joined
0: twitter in 09.
1: Oh, no so it was probably yeah, is had to be o nine I guess has it been that long? Yeah,
0: wow. I mean, it, wow. but I wasn't one of the first. I wasn't. I wasn't one of the first. Yeah. I joined in '09. I remember. And... But
1: I, I, I think that, that Sweeney had started doing stuff as uh, uh, Yankees WFAN. So right. I call up Spitz and I said, oh, geez, I said, is one of us going to have to start doing this? Am I going to have to start tweeting now?" And he's <laughs> like, "Well, if you want to," and I guess that uh, FAN. They'd always go in these waves back then of, uh, that, oh, well, we need a bigger, we, we need a bigger presence on, you know, on, on the internet, on social media and digital. And I guess people really didn't start to then, I guess that the, the lexicon hadn't really developed so much yet that, oh, you have to be digital and, and all this, that, and the other thing. Right. Right. As it is now. But anyway, so I said, um, do you want me to do this? He's like, well, if you want to, us. He said, you know, I know you're busy with with 18 different things there during a the game. I said, well, I
2: can, you know, I'm just,
1: I guess I can do some stuff, or whatever. I can. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll try it out, see what happens. Okay. So it was Mets. I
2: fell in
0: love with it. Like you got the hang of it.
1: Well, Mets, Mets W F A N was what it was originally, and then when we made the switch to the uh, to WOR. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's when it became Mets Booth. Because uh, I think someone had actually jumped in and taken Mets WOR. Oh, so, really? <laughs> I'm not negotiating for the name. Who the heck cares?
0: Like getting a jersey number. <laughs>
1: I'll just call it Mets Booth. Or maybe it was uh we knew that we were off of FAN, but we weren't officially yet on OR, so I'll call it Mets Booth in the meantime. <laughs> I don't remember the exact circumstance, but we had left, we had left FAN. So I said, "I'll call it Mets Booth." And someone even pointed out, "Well, shouldn't you call it Mets Radio?" Eh, I call it Mets Booth. You know, everyone knows that Ron and Keith and Gary aren't tweeting. At least I thought they did But that,
0: but that became not that. right. That changed, and the way you do it, like that's where I think it's not that I'm. It was making fun of your typing. It's that. You deliberately, like, you'll do something and the, something will happen. Howie Rose is literally screaming at the top of his lungs and you'll just go, nope. <laughs> yes.
1: I, 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 like, I like the understatement, you know, right. the, the understatement sometimes. And and sometimes you'll, you'll, you know, you throw out stuff that, you know, you're trying to be a little bit clever or a little subtle And I find that, you know, some, there might be, you might have something that was so subtle that maybe only three people get it, which are are my favorite ones, actually. Because, you know, if you have to explain the whole thing, well, you know what, it's just not worth it. I throw something out there and if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't. And, you know, people who, who tweet... Or then, like you said, they they think it's the TV booth. So they're tweeting me reacting to something that was said over on the hall. And sometimes I don't know what it's about.
0: Right, because you and, don't hear their broadcast. Right, I don't have the, you know, I have broadcast.
1: the, we have the monitors, so we see the pictures, but I don't know what the guys are saying over there. And you uh, never
0: heard you? Do you ever hear those guys? Or you, I guess you hear them on replays. And God help me if, if you if watch replays of Mets games that you usually not because at.
1: I say I already saw this. Yeah, so,
0: <laughs> I know how this ends. <laughs> you know,
1: I mean, I'll watch The Godfather for the hundredth time <laughs> right. with on tonight, but the Mets. Uh, already, Have you ever already, seen Clerks? I already saw that. One. Yes, it was on the other night. Thank you very
0: much. <laughs> <laughs> so the story with Clerks is. Uh, uh, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. and Actually, uh, Kevin Smith has agreed to come on Sports with Friends. He uh, he found out that I have this podcast, and he said none of my friends uh, uh, will talk hockey with me. That's the only sport he follows. And so Kevin Smith, with his 3.1 million Twitter followers, wants to come on Sports with Friends. Yes, I will talk hockey with Kevin Smith, the filmmaker. And he wrote this film uh, called Clerks in 1994, and there were a couple of times when we were at Rainouts, We would have rainouts and doubleheaders and split doubleheaders and just all kinds of convoluted things. And the big line from Clerks is, I'm not even supposed to be here today. And I would say that. And you didn't know that reference. And you knew every movie. So I was like, how does he not know that? I don't understand. And I would keep referencing it. And then Brian O'Halloran, who has played Dante in Clerks, reaches out to (laughs) me on Twitter and says how he's at the game and he's a huge fan. Uh, Could I meet? And I go and I meet him and it's so cool because I love that movie and he's in it. And Brian had a very modest career. He's a great guy, um, lives in New Jersey still. And he's just a really good dude, big Ranger fan, which I can't stand because he plays a character in New Jersey and had to wear a devil's Jersey in the movie, but that's fine. He's a Ranger fan. And he, he and I have actually hung out socially, but he wanted to meet Howie Rose and I go in and the way the booth is configured Madge is literally in the second row, but staring right at the field and the broadcasters. So anything going on behind him, he shouldn't be aware of because he has headphones. He's listening to the broadcast. So you have to make a lot of noise to get his attention. Correct me if any of this is untrue. This so,
1: it is, That's exactly the layout. Now, usually I can sense when there's someone <laughs> standing over my shoulder. Yes, I will say that.
0: And so we go into the booth and unfortunately the break had ended. So the inning is just starting. So I tell Brian, I said, we'll have to wait till the inning's over. And as a matter of fact, I think we joked in the pathway to the, to the booth, watch, they'll give up five runs here. And we're standing there and I, you were just, you were on fire that day. And I just go up to you. And I said, "Um, you remember that movie clerks that I keep referencing? And you just decide to say, enough with clerks, enough. I'm not going to see yeah, a, a god movie.
1: And, <laughs> and I'm sure that's exactly how I said it. Like
0: you said it, you're just like, enough. I, I don't want to hear this movie. And I just look at you and I calmly, smiling, go, well, the star of it is right behind you.
1: <laughs> uh, well, and then that... the inning
0: ends and it's like, Howie, how are you?
1: <laughs> Does he still hold it against me? Not at all <laughs> not at not all, at all. I think no no things. we we all had a laugh, i think, with that. Of, course, of course well, I'll give you one along i wouldn't those tell lines. it I
0: wouldn't tell it on the podcast if I didn't think it was funny i'll
1: give I'll give you one along those lines, so uh this was at shea at uh, at the old ballpark, and uh at the old stadium uh the owner's booth was right next to our radio booth, it was a t v booth uh, Mr. Wilpon's booth and then our radio booth. So, uh, on more than one occasion, I'll say often, uh, coming and going, we might see, uh, Mr. Wilpon, we'd see Jeff, you know, walking in the hall, you know, Hey, how you doing? So, uh, Eddie Coleman was filling in that day for, uh, for, uh, Murph, I guess. Oh, it doesn't matter. It was Gary and Ed and John and You you know, ah, John, the great uh, John Schweibacher, our uh, associate producer with WFAN. Exactly. And he'd usually be standing out in the hallway. So, you know, and he would usually give me a heads up if somebody was coming. So that because I've been known to, you know, say something that was maybe inappropriate from time to time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so,
1: you don't say, uh, so something had happened, uh, with something at the radio station and all. And I just, I was going off about this. No good. Blah, blah, plankety, plank, 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 plank and I'm going on and on. And Ed is like giving me the eyeballs. Like, you know, giving me the, Hey, behind you, behind you. Behind you. <laughs> so I turn and Jeff will, is standing in the doorway so in the middle of this rant gosh gosh, darn it oh hi jeff how you doing (laughs) like like, turn and then turn back this no good and the guys were just very impressed that it's like i without missing a beat said hi how are you doing to jeff and then right, and then they right i said john what happened you were supposed to cheese an oscar or something you know if you remember that Odd couple episode.
0: i <laughs> oh, see there we go so <laughs> the odd couple and the all in the family what were the what are the other sitcoms that, that get referenced on that well project?
1: all in the family because uh, that's one of howie's all-time favorite shows which it's a great show I, don't if, get me wrong if, but if you, if you no ever have a
0: listening audience no one well, in the listening audience remembered well,
1: but here's here's the thing as we've as we've noticed you know um on twitter this one came to my attention um Seinfeld was always a big point of reference yeah. Yeah, of uh for howie for for Josh Yeah, um great Josh you know, so Wayne uh, Wayne works in a little bit of Seinfeld, although he's not—he's almost past it. Um, uh, Howie and Josh uh, would drop in a lot of Blazing Saddles references and stuff like that.
0: Random, so movies. very random movies,
1: but a lot of Mel Brooks and yeah, and yeah. but yeah, but random movies and mostly Seinfeld. Um, we'll tell you the Banya story in a moment. Okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, talking about going back to Twitter and all, I see this tweet from whoever it was saying, you know, I love the guys, but enough with the Seinfeld and Blazing Saddles already. And from someone else on Twitter saying, you know, along those same lines, is it bad that Uh, when, when the guys drop a Seinfeld reference, I'm assuming it's a Seinfeld reference because (laughs) I've never, I've never seen the show and I don't, I kind of know what they're talking about, but I really don't get it. Um, yeah, but it's true though. I mean, you know, it's, um, uh, you know, where your pop, pop culture references, that we may have on the air obviously are a product of of when we were really consuming the pop culture and it's true I mean how long has Seinfeld and we had we've had Jerry in the booth
0: yeah Seinfeld's been off the air since how long has it
1: been off the air you know obviously it's still in reruns and all but you know for you and I it might be second nature to you know not that there's anything wrong with that and how many other how many other lines but you realize that you know there's a whole segment of the audience that um uh may never have seen the show
0: and no one references the cosby show like that no 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 one references uh family ties that way i mean and those shows were successful too but Mm -hmm. seinfeld and and for me friends i i think those are two of the smartest shows and i've often said uh mad about you is also one of the funniest shows Mm -hmm. i've ever seen And it wasn't sappy. I mean, there was relationshipy stuff, but it was one of the funniest things. Paul Reiser's an absolute genius. Uh, But those shows, and there aren't shows like that now. I mean, you
1: know, but you go back and
0: Goldberg's. You would no, you
1: You don't. There's nothing. You know, the only, and I have to admit this, I really didn't watch it so much. um, A more, uh, a more up to date show, if we're talking about that, that I really didn't didn't watch at all when it was uh first run but i've only started watching now in reruns is modern family
0: never seen it wow that's interesting never seen you know it.
1: and then, but i was going to go back a little further on the other side of it and when you're talking about great shows and good writing that you just you know you don't find so much of these days would be mash and cheers sure. um Cheers. You know, But, but, uh, oh, but Banya, getting back to Seinfeld and Banya and, and wrapping Twitter into this. So I don't know how Banya came up in the conversation, but Josh makes contact with Banya on Twitter, the actor whose name escapes me at the moment. And somehow... Banya, this is Howie's story, but I don't know if you're ever going to have him on, But I'll, so I'll tell it. and then Kenny Banya? No. I might have Kenny... Josh, but not Kenny Banya. <laughs> no, no. If, yeah, it's, if I'm saying it's, it's Howie's story, but oh, I don't know oh, if I you'll ever, you're you're ever have Howie on. I
0: don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, maybe. I hadn't thought about
1: it. Uh, but Josh, definitely. But anyway, so um, Banya ends up at, I think we were in San Francisco, and... <laughs> it was it was actually it was during the when the rangers were playing the kings and the rangers take like a 2 hole lead and it's in the third period and the kings come back to tie the game anyway Banya's at this game and he gets to meet howie and and josh cuz josh is a you know we we connected with Kenny Banya. I wish I could have, I could look up the the actor's name but um <laughs> so anyway so they're in the in, they're in the in the in the dining room at the ballpark, and the Ranger game is on, and the Rangers proceed to blow the lead, and and Banya, in perfect character, <laughs> boy, things were going great till I showed up, <laughs> and and Howie said to him, Banya, you hack. <laughs>
0: It's not a meal.
1: It's not a meal.
0: (laughs) My my counter to that is uh, Pat Sajak. Okay, who has uh, politely declined to come on Sports with Friends, but we talk uh, fairly regularly, and it's I met him. He did a show uh, with us at MLB Radio, so I hosted the Pat Sajak Show, uh, where we would talk baseball on uh, for MLB.com, and uh, Pat. Was in Vero Beach. You remember Vero Beach?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Remember how they there were no dugouts
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the clubhouses were behind the right field wall? Yes. I am calling a Braves-Dodgers spring training game for MLB Radio, and with Billy Sample, and it's the first inning, and we see in the front row Pat Sajak. So our producer, who I think you also know, Mike Siano, says. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's Pat Sajak. I said, oh, let's see if he wants to come on into the booth. So Mike goes down and talks to him. And it turns out that Pat Sajak has dreamt about calling an inning of a game. And we could care less. (laughs) It's a spring training game. We're like, you want the fourth inning? Sure. (laughs) And as that whole dialogue is happening, Kevin Brown plunks Brian Jordan. This is 2001. And that happens. I mean, that, you know, that's part of the game, but that happens. Now, file that away. We, at the end of the third or fourth inning, fourth or fifth inning, one of those, um, we don't go to break. We keep it, and we bring in Pat Sajak. We're going to talk to him for the four minutes, you know, that they're changing sides, and then we're going to let him call the game. We're, we're going to stay there, but he will call that inning. And so we're not even looking. But both teams are doing wholesale changes. But in Vero Beach, you don't go into your clubhouse. You go beyond right field because that's where the clubhouses are. And as these six players are leaving, you know, four for one team, two for another, Kevin Brown and Brian Jordan behind the right field fence decide to start throwing down. And they start fighting, but not on the field, right in front of the clubhouse. And every player hears about it. And as Billy Sample is giving the mic to Pat Sajak, all the teams run as fast as they can off the field. And Pat Sajak just stands there and goes, was the play-by-play that bad? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Vero. <laughs>
0: That's Vero Beach.
1: That's, that's Vero Beach. Well, that's when a couple of times in spring training, when uh, uh, when Mike Mike Piazza had the problems with uh, um, uh, Guillermo Mota, I think it was, wasn't it? He chased them. They they had some they had some issues. And, yeah, <laughs> and I think the one time it was at Vero, and then the one time in Port St. Lucie. Yeah. I remember,
0: and I remember uh, the story because I was at Fox when. Uh Al Puig and Don Mattingly didn't get along and they had to ride the elevator together. <laughs> and just uh, I always said I would love to know like Don Mattingly is standing there probably chewing something and yasiel Puig walks in and what's the dialogue between those two? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, where do we go from here? Um You know people they're not even driving nobody's going to the gym these days when are they going to have a chance to listen to all the stories you have can you can can we make this a two-parter can you stick around and do next week oh sure
1: sure like you said where am i going
0: all right thanks man um okay um yeah next week we're gonna do this the rest of this let's keep going but for now uh i appreciate everybody who's listening everybody who's downloading subscribing the numbers have been good and we appreciate every listener especially in this quarantine time and this unsettled time in this country. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. We'll see you with part two of The Immortal. Chris Magikowski, right here on Sports with Friends.
2: If you want me to stay I'll be around today To be available For you to see <laughs> I'm about To go stay, I got to be me, you'll never be in doubt, that's what it's all about, you can't take me for granted and smile.